0: What's up, family? You are tuned into Law & Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. This is Resistance in Residence, where we profile artists using their gifts to change the world. This week's Resistance in Residence artist is cellist, composer, and vocalist Mia Pixley. Mia, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Kat. Ah, oh, beyond my pleasure. Mia, I want to start with a little bit about you, specifically where and how you grew up, what your family was like.
1: Oh, oh. Uh, I grew up in Austin, Texas in the 80s. I think that's important to say uh, before all the tech stuff happened. And um, I have a little bit of a complicated family uh, situation. I'm adopted. And so my my parents were are 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 white, and um, I identify as um, black. And in particular, um, one one biological parent, one mother is my mother. Bio mother is Venezuelan, and my bio dad is Nigerian. So I'm black, but I'm also multiracial in some ways too. So yeah, I grew up in Austin with that background in that context and that informs a lot of my
0: music say more about that say more about how it informs your music and how that manifests
1: um well I feel that um my experience of being adopted begins with sort of a a loss and it begins also with um a task of 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 making sense of of one of my place, um, when I don't really know my origins, and so I think that that kind of um, that kind of sorrow really um, interests me, actually, and I think it can also be very it can be very connecting too, because it's sort of about. Um, a feeling of not belonging. And I think at some point in time, maybe everyone might experience that. But for me, it's been um, particularly acute um, in my life. And um, I just, I feel like that initial loss and trying to make sense and find a place um, in that that struggle, that pursuit um, comes out in sort of the melancholy quality of my music and what um, I'm interested in exploring musically, which I think is also a very a very human kind of um, task, like to try and belong or to try and also reconcile with one's aloneness in the world at the same time.
0: When did you discover music and specifically the cello?
1: Um, I, <laughs> I began cello at four and... Um, it was because my sister so University um, of Texas at Austin has a string program where youth can learn how to play instrument stringed instruments and um, so my sister who is two years older than me she came home with a violin and I was like, hey where's where's mine I want one And um, so they took me my mom took, be there to like rent a a violin but they ran out of violins and so I they had cellos left like apparently people weren't so pumped about cellos and uh, I was like okay I'll take a cello and that was it and I I feel really grateful because I don't know I think cello kind of suits suits me more than violin anyway.
0: Anyone who has seen you with your cello knows that it suits you. And I'm actually interested uh, in connecting a couple of threads here. You talked about um, aloneness, right? Um, And you Mm. talked about um, that manifesting in your music. Your cello has a name. Ripple is the name of your cello. And I would actually love for you to describe your cello to folks. It's quite beautiful. But I I guess my, my question is, is like, how does your relationship with your instrument address that aloneness? What is that relationship like? You all, you too, write this supposedly inanimate object, even though we're all energy and you manifesting in your humanness clearly are in relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate that question. Yeah. My cello is my buddy. It is my homie. I mean, ripple is relatively, ripple's birth is, is relatively new. Uh, Ripple came into existence in August of 2023, and she was created by, um, well, she was actually co-created, ah, it's like the creative love child of um, a luthier based in Santa Rosa, California, named Andrew Carruthers. He's really, um, makes beautiful, uh, um, what do you call it, traditional violins, cellos, and violas, and then he, uh, later in his career, he kind of went off the beaten path and started making experimental instruments, and Ripple certainly falls into that category. And I approached Andrew um, with this idea of creating a cello that really celebrates and um, communicates that the cello is a percussive instrument as well as a bowed, plucked, what have you instrument. And um, because percussion was becoming um, more and more prominent in the music I was creating and so together we thought about ways of making the body of the cello uh, percussively um, like visually so people could see like what is going on like what you know and so ripple has um, literally ripples on its body and it kind of has this washboard effect if I run my fingers along different parts of the body. And um, we chose this because of sound waves and also water waves. I'm a really avid swimmer. I, have a swim- I guess I'd say I have a swimming practice. Um, it really chills me out and helps me feel connected. And when we Andrew and I were working together, um, I was working together about designing this instrument. I was swimming and I was admiring the way the light played on the water. And I said, oh God, you know, maybe the way of making this cello visually um, percussive is to, to make ripples out of it, like to, to use that, those ripple patterns. And people can see that, you know, yes, there are sound waves all around us, but we can't see them. But more easily translatable are water waves, which we see all the time. And so Andrew and I love that idea. And so that's how we came up with the design and the grounding of, of ripple. And then more broadly, I think growing up, the cello and I, my relationship with my cello um, and the various cellos I had growing up was one of just um, expression and allowance. Uh, I felt because the cello is naturally kind of melancholy, I, I felt invited to communicate and express what I couldn't, what I felt I couldn't express otherwise. And it felt really, really good
0: y'all, I've had the pleasure of not just watching Mia from an audience, but sharing stage space with Mia. And um it was a transformational experience for me, me, you and Io, uh, together. i o mm. together. I, I I think, awesome. you know, folks when they hear the word cello and cellist, right? There's an image <laughs> that comes. um. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to use the word rigid because that sounds like a a negative connotation and and I'm not, but you know, the, the, the feel of classical instruments, the feel of classical music, Mia is the antithesis of that, right? This free flowing, barefooted, um, (laughs) uh, pixie, if I may, uh, (laughs) with her cello (laughs) and, um, I mean, it's some it, clearly, you know, you're, you're classically trained, but it's got, you know, a rock feel, a soul feel, a jazz feel. You back up poets, you're getting ready to do an awesome project with the Queen herself, Iodelia, as she's releasing her first album. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited to hear that collaboration. Talk about how you developed your style. And, mm, and actually me a yeah. two-part. How did you develop your style? And then the second part is like, how many white folks that who were in the name of protecting <laughs> the status quo <laughs> of classical music did you have to fight mm. to be able to fully be you?
1: Oh my God. I, yes. Um okay. Well, so yes, I think honestly, I think Ripple also, just to one more thing is the indicator that I am not that kind of cellist that is gonna play classical straight classical music. Um, and I'm so thankful to her to, to the you know to the creation of this instrument because then I don't have to like explain people just see it and they're like, oh I'm not gonna get like straight up Bach like I'm just not. And so that feels really um, <clears throat> I don't know it's like one less thing I gotta deal with. Um, and then how I developed, well, okay, about the white folk, I think, (laughs) yeah, I feel like, you know, it's been a journey to both, you know, my own kind of internalized, um, understanding of what I need to be or what I'm supposed to be as a cellist. Like, oh, I didn't, you know, play that perfectly in tune or my bow hands all, Crappy looking, and um, you know, I think those kinds of um, quote-unquote rules um, are pretty hard to unlearn. And I do feel, again, like the creation of Ripple really liberates me from some of that. It's like kind of represents that graduation. Um, but I actually, I went to San Francisco Conservatory of Music for like uh, this one year professional studies diploma. And I did that in 2018 to 20, no, 2017 to 2018, excuse me. And that was a trip because, um, you know, I had, I had done cello um, lessons and chamber and stuff, uh, I mean, college. Um, and it wasn't a conservatory, it was like a uh, liberal arts college. Um, so going to a conservatory where it is classical musicians, and we are going to play classical music was really intimidating, and a lot of imposter syndrome. I shouldn't be here. Came up. That said, I had a really cool teacher, professor um, Jennifer Culp, who was totally into my version of weird, and not even weird. It was just she was into my my what I was expressing. To be very honest, I don't even want to like, yeah, make it. Yeah, she just was like, oh, you're doing something that's in you that feels like uh, true and authentic. So she really encouraged that. Also, the program had like a technology and applied composition program. And I think that was also a little bit more cutting edge. So despite me kind of feeling at times uh, not included and also um, frowned upon because I didn't have like the chops that some of the other uh, students had, um, this in general, my, my teacher's, in um, some of the departments really encouraged my creativity. And to me, my creativity is like my liberation, like where I can really be free. Um, yeah, yeah. It feels it feels like that. And then, and then um, I don't really like <laughs> something else. I don't really love um, – I'm going to say this. I don't really love reading music. I know how. I don't love it. And I also <laughs> do a lot of my composing by ear. I don't really like to notate in fact i don't really know how that well so everything i write is by ear and then i get people to put it on paper and that's really me coming out i think on kpfa (laughs) and um (laughs) and that too is like my own internal like oh i need to know how to write music i'm not a real composer you know what that's what it is what it is and this is how i do it so yeah and then, how I develop my sound at a very deep level, and this is this is really at a truth level. I feel like this is also in a, There's an ancestral um, expression, uh, so I feel like um, some of the rhythms and motifs, um, without real like formal, like this is what this is and this is what this is, I feel there is definitely a, like Venezuelan um, influence and and particularly um, even like Caribbean influence and South American influence, um, like that part, like sort of the northern part of South America. And um, I feel like that comes out in my music. And then I feel, uh, I deeply feel like the West African um, aspects come out too in my music without being, of course I gravitate to the, like some of, some of, um, some of these musics and I honestly feel it just, it comes out, it just comes out. And, um, so that's like on like this more spiritual level. And then growing up, um, I just, I, I listen to a lot of different kinds of music and, um, ranging from, gosh, uh, I mean, I think one of my favorite albums of all time was like Lauryn Hill, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. I I really loved that album. And then um, I really loved um, uh, In a Sentimental Mood. Uh, That was just one of my favorite, favorite pieces of music. And um, Debussy, just sort of the impressionist music. So it's just, I just have like lots. And then like being in Austin, Texas, there was a huge – sort of uh folk country scene that I think made its way into my my stuff as well, like Willie Nelson and stuff like that. And um so yeah, there's just all kinds of um oh yeah. And also I got into this like weird classic rock phase. Like what we that about? But <laughs> Didn't we yeah. All? Like so <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, uh here we are. So like and and I love Queen. I love me some Freddie Mercury. So these are all uh Influences, I think, that drive my sound.
0: Mia, art lets us create new worlds, right? Like I, I often talk about. There is no movement without the artist. There is no, there is no, um, there's no the future that we're trying to build without the artist. The artists help us to see what is not yet here, right? So we can walk mm-hmm. towards it. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the different worlds, the new worlds that you create with your music.
1: Mm. Um, I feel, I feel, I do feel like the world that I've been living in musically is, is changing. Um, and I feel that world that I've been in musically is actually quite, um, and <laughs> I say this, it's like an underworld. It's an, it's like a, a really lush, vibrant Verdant just just full of um it's like this it's full of different colors of greens and deep a deep deep blue um pool and and I it's the world that I lived in when I was growing up. It was like where I could go to feel to feel free. And I feel like now the more I feel allowed to really speak that. And it's like that world is coming above ground, but it is a world that is alive. It is very alive. And, um, but it's been alive privately within me. And now I feel like it is ascending above ground and, uh, I'm sharing it a bit more. And also what I hope is, um, other people who might have sort of these worlds that are secret, but but really tied to their vitality, can bring them up, 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 up. Because I feel like we need we need to do that, and we need vitality. We need to feel alive again.
0: Me, I'm poking around your website, and in a, you know, in addition to all of the normal stuff one would expect to find there, you've got uh, a tab on conservationism. Talk to me Mm -hmm. about the intersection Mm -hmm. of your life as an artist and the fight to save this planet that we inhabit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of speaks to the vitality piece is, uh, you know, we're really killing the planet. And I feel that's because a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things about uh, the systems we live in and um, the cultures that are dominant that uh Do not encourage life and living. And for me, again, as a person who's adopted and didn't feel a sense of belonging, I did feel a deep belonging in like just the natural world, particularly in water. (laughs) I love the ocean. I love, love, love the ocean. And I, I I'm a I started swimming just around the same time I started playing cello, actually and, uh, did competitive swimming. So again, this is like a little black girl in a lot of white spaces. <laughs> um, but, uh, both, I took to both, both swimming and the cello, like just naturally. And, um, water to me is, is deeply also very spiritual. And, um, I feel that the conservation part of my work is, is tied to, you know, getting, getting, Myself included, more engaged with the natural world and our my my nature, my
0: human nature, um, yeah. So, I'm now I'm on the tab on your website uh, collaborations, and right here at the top, fantastic mm-hmm. Negrito White Jesus Black problems. Haul at us about <laughs> that, right quick. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I first met Fantastic Negrito when I was at um, San Francisco Conservatory of Music. Um, a colleague of mine, he was looking for a, a colleague of mine told me he was looking for a, a, quote unquote a cool cellist. And she's like, only oh, me <laughs> would be interested. <laughs> in this. Only me. And I was like, am I a cool? To- coolest cellist of ever. <laughs> okay, so I because he needed a, he needed a cellist to do some some cello on his first his first project, which was Please Don't... Well, not his first project. He'd already come out with a previous project, but it was the second album, Please Don't Be Dead. Um, And so I went and I did that and was so nervous. I had so much sweating happening. And and then it was pretty good. Like, we, he liked what I did. And over the years, he's reached out. And then so this last project, he's like... It was actually, I think he filmed a lot of... he. Excuse me. Well, it does come with a film Um. And it is an album, and uh, he did a lot of it during the pandemic. And so he would just send me the songs and what he wanted, and then give me some liberty to add my own experimental feel to it. And uh, so that was that was that. And uh, I really, I really admire what he does, and and am so honored to be included in some of his work. Super super cool. Super cool.
0: Mia, what are you working on right now? And where can the people find you? Cause I know they're gonna want to after hearing both this and whatever selection we're gonna get to play of your amazing work.
1: Um, so I okay, I I I run a musical book club called the Bushwick Book Club Oakland, which is starting in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And every like we have three concerts or performances a season, and we're select. Musicians, um, we all read a book and then write a song inspired by that book. And then we perform the book for a book-loving audience. So we've covered all kinds of things. And so we have a – so I co-run that with um, three other Bay Area artists, um, Nick Bo, Claire Calderon, and Yoko O'Kay And and so we have a show coming up July 23rd, um, which is covering – this is a fantasy novel, uh, the Earthsea trilogy by Ursula Le Guin, which is The Wizard of Earthsea. So, just get your get your YA on, and um, and then so there's that, and that's been going on for I guess the last six years. And then me, in terms of a project, project, I am working on this. Um, it's going to be a collection, and it's called Coral Enneagrams, and literally coral as in the animal in the sea, the coral reefs, and then the enneagram being the personality. The personality um, paradigm one through nine, and it's for this residency I was I've been doing called Wild X Y Z, and it's like a virtual artist space where you um, where they ask artists to create collection, and people can go and like you know buy the collection. But what I'm going to do is um, create these pieces that reflect my interpretation of enneagram types. And coral species, and like that, match a different each each match a coral species, and um, and then I'm going to create these little pieces, and then put them all together to create one long piece that will be available for streaming. And proceeds from the actual virtual collection um, portion of it will go towards um, this organization called Caribbean Coral Restoration to help restore some of the the coral there in those reefs. So, yeah, that's what I'm working on. I'm super pumped about it because it's so nice to look at pictures of coral and think about, like, them as personalities.
0: <laughs> it's so cool. I love it. And where can yeah. people find you on the socials, Mia?
1: Um, okay, so they can find me at um, Mia Pixley. Like, it's a really, really basic, <laughs> Mia Pixley. And, um, and then, of course, they can um, find me on Spotify with the same Mia
0: Pixley. Um, if they want to hear some of my my pieces. Yeah, we're going to leave it there, Mia. You are listening to Law and Disorder. I'm your host, Kat Brooks. This week's Resistance in Residence artist is cellist, composer, vocalist, Mia Pixley. Mia, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Kat. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive That's it for this episode, family. Law and Disorders produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and posted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. Our Resistance and Residence theme music was composed by Jesse Strauss. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listeners. If you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.